This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Thursday, February 9th, 2023. Happy Friday, Junior, everyone. Our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21-year Belvini, no ice. We don't water down our scotch. Why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Every quarter we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will include cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout the glossy pages, and more. Sign up today at FightLaughFeast.com. By the way, you can sign up for a club membership there to FightLaughFeast.com. China, well, they want their downed spy aircraft back, saying, quote, it does not belong to the U.S. The People's Republic of China is requesting the return of its surveillance aircraft after the balloon was shot down over the continental United States on Saturday. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning fielded questions Tuesday about the incident, which dominated news cycles and commanded attention from the U.S. politicians. Asked for additional information regarding the purpose of the spy balloon and reports of similar aircraft making routes through North American and, and South American airspace, Mao declined. Quote, the Chinese side has given information about the unmanned airship on several occasions. I don't have anything to add at the moment, she stated. The Pentagon said it acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information from the spy platform, but geopolitical experts said there is little reason to believe those efforts were successful, as the balloon almost certainly transferred surveillance data over to China as it flew over several military bases. Asked if China has requested that the debris from the destroyed aircraft be returned. Mao said Tuesday, the airship does not belong to the U.S., it belongs to China. Mao reiterated in her Tuesday press conference the Chinese Communist Party's claim that the balloon was civilian in nature and criticized the U.S. government for not acting in a calm and professional manner. Hey, something we can agree on. Moving on, U.S.-led West opposed peace deal in Ukraine. Naftali Bennett, then the Prime Minister of Israel, found himself praying abroad a cramped, decrepit plane last year as it sailed over Kazakhstan. The long flight arranged with help from Mossad was bound for Moscow as a desperate mission, broker peace between Russia and Ukraine just after the two countries had gone to war. According to Bennett, Russian President Vladimir Putin made two major concessions during their March 5th meeting. First, he renounced the Nazification, that is, regime change in Kiev. Second, he dropped his demand for Ukraine's demilitarization. Bennett said President Vladimir Zelensky agreed to abandon Ukraine's pursuit of NATO membership in exchange. Both Putin and Zelensky seemed eager to end the fighting. But then the U.S. had other plans. Bennett said a decision by the West was made to keep striking Putin through Ukraine. Quote, they blocked it and I thought they were wrong. End quote. That was Bennett. Bennett noted that the governments of Germany and France were pragmatic toward the idea compared to the U.S. and the U.K., which took more of a belligerent attitude against Russia. Considering the U.K. is little more than a neutered lapdog of D.C., it is more likely that it was the U.S. who decided to keep the war going. Indeed, Bennett said he deferred to America in this regard. In an interview with author and comedian Hanuk Daum, 
Bennett provided a behind-the-scenes look at his efforts to establish a ceasefire and how it initially showed promise until being doomed by imperial intrigue. It was the first time he talked about his attempts to mediate peace between the two countries. His solution was creating contact with both sides and trying to mediate, leveraging his good relations with Putin and Zelensky. Bennett maintained contact with the governments of Germany, France, and the UK, as well as the US throughout the negotiations, keeping them appraised as talks mostly by phone progress. While Putin was open to diplomacy, the U.S. was not, this according to Bennett. Bennett described Putin as pragmatic and not messianic, but but government by limited concrete objectives contra the Western portrait of him as a madman bent on world domination. Putin does not think of himself as an imperialist, Bennett said, but as someone fighting against imperialism in the form of NATO expansionism. Someone, maybe Mark Twain, said that history doesn't repeat But it does rhyme. What Bennett revealed is a reminder that the U.S. has been calling the war tune for decades. Moving on to the U.S. in Texas. Texas sues Biden admin over pharmacy mandate to dispense abortion drugs. Texas filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration on Tuesday to block federal health guidance that allegedly forces pharmacies to dispense abortion-inducing drugs. The Biden administration in July 2022 released guidance requiring pharmacies to supply women with abortion-inducing drugs or risk losing Medicaid and Medicare funds, even if certain state laws prohibit the procedure. Texas argues in its lawsuit, which refers to the guidance collectively as the pharmacy mandate, that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS, has attempted to impose via executive fiat a federal right to abortion. The lawsuit said this was part of the Biden administration's war against the Dobbs v. Jackson women's health decision. That ruling reversed a 1973 ruling that made abortion legal nationwide. But whether the Biden administration likes it or not, the question of abortion is up to the people's elected representatives, not unelected bureaucrats. That's the lawsuit stating that. The Biden administration's attempt to inject itself into that question is both procedurally and substantively illegal. The HHS guidance, which involved roughly 60,000 U.S. retail pharmacies, claims that federal anti-discrimination laws require pharmacies to provide these drugs. The guidance was released on July 13, 2022, a few days after President Joe Biden, a Democrat, signed an executive order that made it easier to obtain abortion services following the Dobbs decision. However, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, a Republican, argues that Title IX's anti-discrimination protections don't require companies to provide abortions and instead protect any person or entity from being forced to aid in the provision of abortions. According to Paxton's office, the alleged HHS assertion that federal anti-discrimination law mandates every pharmacy to provide abortion drugs is patently false. Paxton further argues that the Supreme Court returned the power to decide on abortion law back to the states instead of the federal government. The pharmacy mandate therefore preempts certain state laws which prohibit pharmacies from providing abortion-inducing drugs and goes against the Dobbs decision, according to Paxton. The original copy of the HHS guidance document published in July 2022 is not currently available on the department's website. But a version archived on January 23, 2023, can still be accessed. The guidance reminds approximately 60,000 retail pharmacies and their employees of their obligation under federal civil, civil rights laws to ensure access to prescription medication. HHS said in the guidance that among its civil rights enforcement responsibilities, its Office for Civil Rights is responsible for protecting the rights of women and pregnant people. 
let that sink in for a moment, in their ability to access care that is free from discrimination. Examples of discrimination include denying a prescription for medication to assist with a miscarriage and denying medication for a disability. This according to the guidance. Let's talk about dime payments for a moment. Dime payments is a Christian-owned processing payment business. Every business needs a payment process system, so please go to dimepayments.com slash FLF and sign your business up today. Working with them supports us, and they won't cancel you like Stripe canceled President Trump. They won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled the Babylon Bee. Check them out, at least have a phone call with them, and tell them that Cross Politics sent you. Go to dimepayments.com slash FLF. That's dimepayments.com slash FLF. Finally, Could Chicago be about to elect a pro-life, pro-cop Democratic mayor? Chicago's next mayoral election is quickly approaching, scheduled for the 28th of this month. Most polls indicate that the incumbent mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is not doing well, and she might not be given another term. That wouldn't be a terribly surprising result, given the soaring crime rates and the generally decrepit state of the Windy City these days. If that's the case, who will replace her? Interestingly enough, one of the current frontrunners is a man named Paul Vallis. And what makes him unique among Chicago Democrats is his history of being opposed to abortion and his promises to crack down on crime. But can someone like that really be elected in a liberal stronghold? Chicago mayoral candidates are touting dueling endorsements as Paul Vallis comes under fire for his Democratic credentials and past statements opposing abortions. Several recent polls suggest Vallis is one of the frontrunners in the mayor's race, so it's not a surprise he's coming under attack, but it's also an indication that his race will be rough and tumble in its final three weeks. One of the other candidates, Jesus Chuy Garcia, has been running attack ads against Vallis. He dug up a clip from him some years ago where Vallis describes himself as more of a Republican than a Democrat and saying that he's personally opposed to abortion. Garcia is accusing him of not being a real Democrat and claims that Vallis would be dangerous for Chicago. Really? More dangerous than, say, stopping your car at a red light for more than 10 seconds? I digress. Vallis has now received the endorsement of both the Chicago Tribune and the Fraternal Order of Police, which is rather remarkable. The Chicago Sun-Times has run a number of articles on this Vallis, listing all of the progressive liberals who are losing their minds about him. They're accusing him of having trodden upon the rights of workers in previous positions he's held and wanting to outlaw abortions. There are probably a couple of them calling him a Satan worshiper by now. In other words, all the right people hate him. Best of success, Vallis. Be praying for Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. This has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership for the ARK Encounter or for a magazine subscription, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about the conference at the ARK Encounter this year, or if you want to become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, email me at garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless.